fishtails spat straight from the fish's mouth. Introduction Hey, I'm Jonah, and I just had the most nauseating experience. I spent three days and three nights, truth is it was so dark I couldn't tell which was which, tangled in seaweed with acid splashing all over me, deep in the belly of a big old fish. Even though you and I have never met, I strongly suggest to you, if God wants you to go to Nineveh or wherever, just go on and get it over with. I assure you the alternative is most unpleasant. Having foolishly tried to resist God, here I am this morning, recently spat from the belly of that repulsive fish, and now I'm about to depart on that very long and winding road to Nineveh. Sometimes I just don't get God. You know what I mean? Surely he knows what an awful bunch those Ninevites are, but he wants to save them anyway. I know God is holy, but what is he thinking? Oh, well, I might as well get cracking. I have about 40 long, hot days ahead of me walking to Nineveh. Wow, Nineveh is some big city. I just got here, but this place is huge. Anyway, you'll never guess what happened on the way here. I tell you that, but wait, I'm getting way ahead of myself. That is the story I want to tell you. If you will, put on your best sandals and come with me to Nineveh. Get ready, because it's a long walk from this beach on the Mediterranean to Nineveh. Chapter 1. Three days and nights swimming around in the belly of a fish. I have blisters all over me from the acid in the stomach of that monster. Ictologist I am not, but his old stomach must have been full of acid that burned me so bad. I must be a sight. Every person I meet turns their head and runs away. I'd probably run too if my feet weren't so sore. You know, in spite of all that, I appreciate that old stinking fish. I would have drowned for sure if he hadn't swallowed me up like he did. Then that slimy rascal spit me right onto the beach at Tyre. As if I hadn't had enough of fish, the people I encountered along the waterfront kept throwing fish at me. I don't think they intended kindness, but at least I have plenty to eat. In fact, I just took a couple of days to smoke the whole kitten caboodle of those fish so I'd have plenty of food on my trip to Nineveh. It's a sure bet no one's going to invite me into their home the way I look and smell. My fish all smoked, a satchel of dates gathered. Off I go to that city God is calling me to. I have some mountains to cross, but I thank God the road here is not too steep as I work my way north along the Mediterranean Sea. The breeze is blowing in off the water, and it helps me not to think of the hated Ninevites. I'm just living in the moment, trying not to think of what's ahead. It's getting on towards dusk, and the road has gotten steeper and more narrow and winding. My sandals are rubbing on the blisters on my feet from that old fish. Woo-wee! They are some more painful. Here is a stand of ancient olive trees, perfect place for me to bed down for the night. Chapter 2 
My eyes opened and the pain of all those blisters, it was like I was on fire. I have heard people say the third day is the worst, but I'm finding that doesn't apply to acid burns and seaweed whiplash from the belly of a fish. I'm taking my sandals off and walking barefooted. I thank God that the bottom of my feet were spared. I guess I must have been standing on something that big old fish's belly kept the bottom of my feet from getting burned. I thank God for small blessings. Leaving the coastline, I'm headed up into the mountains just east of the Mediterranean, slowly making my way towards Hamath. Just after daylight this morning, I realized there was an old well near the olive grove where I took my rest last night. I, I met a woman there. She drew a bucket of water for me, and she said it's about a 10-day walk to Hamath. She gave me fair warning the way is narrow and steep through the Lebanese mountains. Glad I am that I can cross down here on the southern part of the mountains. North of me, there is snow on the highest peaks. Thankfully, it's not like that where I am. Sitting high in the mountains, surrounded by cedars, I'm gazing out across the beautiful sea. The color is blue. I, I can't even describe the beauty of the water. I also can't forget that big old fish swimming in that water. Good to have something to take my mind off the pain of walking and the pain of having to try to help those devilish Ninevites. Stopping in those cedars, I set a snare for some lunch. The more I think of where I've been, the less desirable these old smoked fish have become. I caught a dove in my snare and roasted him in some coals from a hot fire of dried thorn bushes. I sat there enjoying the berries I stopped and picked earlier. All in all, God is sure good. Early the next morning, the cooler mountain air seemed to soothe my burns and blisters. I stretched for a long while, enjoying the beauty and the quiet just after dawn. Wishing I had some tea, instead I drank some suspect water out of a nearby rock crevice to wash down the cold smoked fish I had for breakfast. After several days of walking in these mountains, I find myself beginning the descent down the mountains to the narrow valley that runs between those coast mountains and that next line of mountains over. I, I was really glad to see this valley. The walking would be much less strenuous. The sun was up over the mountains to my east, and so it was steadily beaming down on me as I slowly made my way downward into the valley. I stopped for a long time to watch some sheep jumping and playing along the steep mountainside. I, I didn't see the shepherd, but I knew he wasn't far away. I sort of wish I was a sheep. Better feet for walking and someone to look out for me. With my smoked fish dwindling and Hamath still several days away, I must scout for some other food sources. My scouting was over quickly. I found apples, dates, and almonds handy to my location and quite appetizing to my stomach. Recent experience is making me think of what I put in my stomach. So much food here, wish I could remain a while, but dodging God's call has not worked out well. Coming into the valley, there's a righteous plenty of these tasty treats. Not knowing what lays ahead, I am putting away a goodly quantity to sustain me on my way to Nineveh. Chapter 3. 
a number of days along, I find myself beyond the valley and the mountain ranges. I'm, I'm having good progress towards Tipsha, a city on the west bank of the river Euphrates. Tipsha is a large and ancient city of trade and commerce. It's been a place of great importance to travelers and traders alike. My body healing well, I still have nightmares about being in the deep bowels of that giant fish. My mind flashes back to the scene on the deck of the ship I was on when I was running from the Lord. We were encountering some terrible storms, and my shipmates were sure one of us had brought this on all of us. They asked me what I was running from and where I was running to. I told them that the God who created the earth was after me, and that put the fear of the same God into their hearts. They cast lots, and the lot fell to me, and soon I found myself hoisted over the aft rail of the ship into a churning cauldron of sea. Sure that death was knocking on my door, suddenly I came mouth to mouth, as it were, with a giant deep sea-diving creature. It was a colossal fish. His mouth looked like the open gates of a large city. Quicker than I could say, Moses, my fear of drowning was replaced with fear of this prehistoric creature swallowing me whole. He did. Without so much as a gulp, he took me wrapped in seaweed into his mouth and down to his belly. My natural instinct to fight for my life kicked in and I fought clear of the entanglement of the massive seaweed surrounding me. I was thinking that death had a terrible odor, but it began to dawn on me. I was not in hell, but the next worst place, the belly of a fish from the deepest deep. For three days and three nights, I remained in the gut of that slimy pit of a place. God was gracious as he made me clearly aware that he had not abandoned me in this dark and foul-smelling dungeon. Time seemed to stand still. I didn't know if a day had passed or a year. God was my only hope, and I cried out to him long and loud. I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped about my head at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Jonah 2, 2-9 God heard my prayer and spoke to the fish, and he spit me right out on the beach where I landed quite hard, but very much alive. I could not shake the terror that had gripped me so completely as I was thrown into the sea and then swallowed up by that fish. 
One thing I know and did not forget, God had promised never to leave me alone. So no matter how dark was the belly of the fish, I knew the Lord my God was with me, even if he was still a little testy because of the mix-up when I went away from Nineveh rather than toward it. Well, to be honest, I shouldn't have gotten on a ship at all. Nineveh laid not across the water, but across the high mountains and deserts to my north and east. I now realize that the enemy is not the sea or the fish or the ship. I have met the enemy, and it is I. Chapter 4 Forty long days out of the belly of the fish in the great city of Nineveh is just coming into view as I approach the river Tigris, reminding me of the river Euphrates I forded several weeks past. Nineveh is the capital city of the brutal Assyrian Empire. One more river to go before I encounter the treacherous Ninevites on the west bank of the river. I already told you I really didn't want to be in Nineveh, but as much as I despise the Ninevites, I still preferred them to the belly of the whopper. That's the name I had given to the fish. God, whose mercy is new every morning, had given me a second chance by having Whopper to spit me out on the beach. When I did get out of there, God reminded me that I must get myself to Nineveh and warn them to turn to the Lord before it was entirely too late. Here I am, Lord. As I approached and entered the city, I realized it would take me three days to walk all the way across this city. I simply said, Forty days and you are to be overthrown. I didn't explain or embellish. I just warned them. I preached so bad I was convinced not one of those Ninevites would repent. I began to feel a little more confident that God would bring down this city after my lackluster effort at sparking a revival here. Once again, I see that God is always right and he always does what he says. The pitiful preaching I had done could not stymie the move of God through his word, even a word so poorly spoken. Me, the most reluctant of preachers, and them, the most ungodly of all potential believers, and my message delivered as unconvincingly as possible. But God. In spite of me and them, they all heard God, and every single one of them turned away from their sin. What a revolting development. I, Jonah, hater of the Assyrians in Nineveh, am God's instrument to save the ill-natured Assyrians. Chapter 5 Can you believe it? One day into this large city and men and women and boys and girls are falling down before the Lord, repentance swept through that part of the city. In spite of all the obstacles, they quickly were convinced their desperate need for God. I was talking, but the people had to be hearing directly from the Lord. They believed. They repented and tore their clothes and put on sackcloth and dumped ashes on their own heads in sorrow over their sin. The prophets who taught me always told me to never count God out because he could and would do so much more than I could even imagine. God did it. The people were falling on their faces, turning their hearts toward the one true God as they humbled themselves before him. They believed God, and he counted it as righteousness to them. Can you believe this? 
not only did the people begin to turn to God, the king, the ring leader center of the whole bunch, ordered a fast by all the people. Not only did the king require a fast, he also required a spirit of repentance from the entire city. I had been so sure I could foil this revival by running away. That didn't work. I set my hopes next on preaching so poorly that no one would even take notice of me. But they did, and I want to tell you, I was some kind of mad. Chapter 6 I will tell you just how mad I am. I was exceedingly displeased, and I declared right then to God, God, isn't this the very reason I tried to run away? Isn't this the exact scenario I knew would happen? You are such a great God, and you are so loving and so merciful that you would forgive these Assyrians, and they would turn their hearts to you. God, you are so merciful, so incredibly gracious. Did I not warn you about this? These people might repent and be forgiven. I think I could just crawl under a bush and die. Just then, I did exactly that. Looking up to heaven, I just said, Lord, just let me die. I hate these Assyrians so badly that their repentance and belief and salvation makes me just want to quit living. I do not want to live another moment, and here I am in this city listening to them whine and moan their repentance before you. I got to get out of here. I did. I headed right out into the mountains and finding a spot on the side of a rocky outcrop, and I sat down and begged God to just let me die. My worst expectations had come to pass. Those mean-spirited old Ninevites, they had repented and come to the Lord. I sat there in the scorching heat of the day, and all of a sudden the Lord caused a soothing shade to arise from the dirt in the form of a great shade vine protecting me from the scorching rays of the sun. In spite of my anger, I said, Thank you, Lord, for your mercy to me. Conclusion The sun rose the next morning, and suddenly a worm appeared and began to eat my shade vine. I cried out to God and said, Lord, just let me die here. I can't stand it no more. Here's what the Lord said to me. Do you do well to be angry for the plant? And I said, yes, I do well to be angry enough to die. And the Lord said to me, you pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in the night and perished in a night. And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city, in which there are more than 120,000 persons who don't even know their right hand from their left hand, and so much cattle? Jonah 4, 9 through 11. Does Jonah remind you of anyone, like maybe the older brother in the parable of the prodigal son, Luke chapter 15? The older brother didn't miss a chance to judge the younger brother for his faults and failures, but he completely forgot how gracious the Lord had been with him. Jonah, too, had sadly forgotten the fact that God called him. He forgot that even though God called him and he knew he should be rejoicing, he did just the opposite. Jonah went right down to Joppa and got on that ship headed in the opposite direction. Then Jonah 
thrown over the back of the ship into the churning seas. Instead of drowning, he was taken up in the belly of a great fish God had appointed to save Jonah. Three days and nights later, God had the Leviathan spit Jonah out on the bank and set him on his way to Nineveh. Yet Jonah was resentful. Do we see a lesson in this great story of God's grace and mercy and love? Lord, help me. Help us all to look to you and know that your will and your ways are always perfect. And all we need to do is to trust you, to trust you and obey you and wait to see the great things you will do, to know there is nowhere we can run that you are not there. Psalm 139. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit, or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to the heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. You saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God! How vast is the sum of them! If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake, and I am still with you. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God! O men of blood, depart from me. They speak against you with malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred. I count them my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. God is and shall forever be God. He is without beginning and without end. We can and we must trust and obey him now and forever. He is the Lord. Amen. God bless you.